You are listening to episode 236 of Game Deflators Podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody. Here at the Game Deflators Podcast, we like to talk about games. We've recently picked up games we're currently playing, and we caught our breath and wiped our tears in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So this week, Ryan is going to be talking a little bit about Tears of the Kingdom. So a very can, little bit, like just a bit. minuscule bit, like just the smallest bit. So not enough for a review or like how it's a how big game, John. I'm trying to say it's a big game. Okay. And I have only played so much. How many hours have you played? Uh, I can let you know by the time we get to the end of this episode. Okay. So we got first impressions coming away. All right. Well, uh, as always, you can find the Game Deflators podcast on thegamedeflators.com, our out-of-date website. You can find us on social media, at Game Deflators on Twitter, at The Game Deflators on Instagram and Facebook. You can find us on YouTube, search up The Game Deflators. And of course, you can find us on the podcast application you are listening to right now. Leave us a five-star review and uh, leave us five-star reviews on other apps. This is always nice. So... Diving into our pickups. This week, Ryan, I got Hat and Time on the PS4. Nice. Very nice. Uh, I am currently playing, or played, I should say, Stray. I beat, or started and beat it since our last episode. Uh, I will say that this game was phenomenal. It's everything that I wanted. Um, you know, it was a PS4 or PS, PS4, PS5 exclusive for a little bit there. Um, console exclusive exclusive because it was on pc but it looks like it's coming to xbox here pretty soon from what i was reading so uh if you haven't played stray highly recommend it you basically play a stray cat who gets stuck in this uh city that has been barred off underground um and is pretty much automa automatons or automobots whatever the hell you want to call it like helper robots uh that are within the city and they kind of take on the lives of humans in a sense uh so they eat and drink apparently and they have tvs and they play games and do all this stuff like just basic human activity but they are trapped underground after the humans have all died and uh there's this like genetically mutated robot eating and people eating uh thing of um god what the hell are they called i've already forgotten but it starts with a z uh there's these creatures basically that chase you around and such uh, that you have to get, get away from uh, throughout the game. And uh, there's puzzles that you can kind of solve to get through, um, you know, throughout. So, I mean, it's as easy as, Hey, I need you to find X item at this location or, you know, rolling a barrel into a certain spot to be able to jump onto a roof to kind of get your way around to certain pieces. So, it's it's pretty cool. You know, I liked it. It was subtle pu puzzle play, not too much. Um, story was very much there and you like unlock pieces of that story as you kind of go along, uh, which is pretty nice. And it's, it's targeted as like memories. So you're not the story isn't building from a dialogue perspective, per se. It's more so like you come across things it's like, oh, I remember that. Oh, I remember this, too, from a, a robot helper that you have uh, throughout. So pretty cool game. Definitely check it out. Next one, which Wait, I, do you oh. think it deserved like all of the attention? Like that was like absolutely a pretty well received game and it yeah. had like a lot of nods and stuff. 
yeah, it was a good game. Like visually, it was great. I, I really liked that the music was great. The overall concept in this, like the world that was developed for this was fantastic. Like I, I loved every moment of it, man. Like I, I think I beat in like two days. So it's like a four or five hour game. And you know how I've been falling asleep in the middle of playtime? Uh, I stayed up. <laughs> so it was good. I definitely enjoyed it. It definitely deserves a praise. Now the next game, which I've had for a couple of years, I was like, oh, what's a short game I can beat really quick? Was Donut County. So Donut County is actually like a two hour game. Dude, this game is hilarious. It's like Katamari meets Hole in the Ground. And you're just like basically sucking all these houses and things up. And the reason you're doing this is because the raccoons have taken over Donut County. And so the raccoons send donuts, which are these holes, to be able to collect all the garbage of the city for the uh, raccoon king. And Mm. I actually played a little bit of that once. So it's not so much the gameplay because the gameplay is a little repetitive. It's Mm -hmm. the story and the humor that's involved in the story. So I'll give you a quick example. Uh, You're playing a raccoon BK and you're all like 999 feet underground. Basically, like it starts from the very beginning and it's telling the stories as to what the hell happened and why everybody's there. And it kind of there's like one scene where the guy's like, oh, yeah, I um, I was having uh, issues on on my farm or whatever. I was having issues doing this. And he's like, but then all of a sudden this donut came out. And it sucked everything up. And like, here I am. Like, he's going through his whole like reason what happened. And BK is just like, so I solved your problem. Like, I I must be a savior at this point. Like, it's just everything that happens. He finds like the positive and all the negativity of what's occurred to be like, yeah, well, I helped you out. Like, oh, so and so I saved him from bees. And they're like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, he was being attacked by bees. And you go to the scene and he's actively hanging. This guy's hanging from a tree or this creature. It's hanging from a tree and bees are flying around and you suck everything up. So you saved him from bees technically. Mm-hmm. And it's just hilarious, dude. Like all the back and forth, all the commentary that happens. Uh, it, it's just very worth a playthrough. And at two hours, I mean, come on, you got two hours in your day that you can play it. So yeah. I actually knocked that out. Like I played stray. I played an hour of uh, donut County, like right after I beat it. And then the next morning I beat beat donut County. I must have gotten like at least a quarter or halfway through it then because I played at least like three or four levels. Uh, there's probably like 15, 16 levels, I want to say. Okay, yeah. So yeah, it's, so that's Ben Esposito. And I know you're going to be talking about uh, what remains of Edith Finch as well. Yeah, so what remains of Edith Finch, I actually started that the day my son was born. So we were at the hospital and I brought the switch because you know we didn't know how long things were going to take. And well, it took a while. So I think I played what remains of Edith Finch. I want to say is like a four hour game, five hour game at most. So I'd initially, I actually purchased it digitally. So it wasn't about to pay the physical price for such a short game. And I got through quite a bit and I didn't really think much of it at that point because son was born. I kind of put it down. And Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess you had bigger things going on because that ish part is like the part in the game where everybody's like, Oh, okay. I see what's going on here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that funny enough, I was one story away from that. So I got through however much of a game and uh, I got to the fish part and I'm like, oh, I wonder how many chapters there are. And I'm reading. It's like, 
oh yeah, like you have one story after it's like, well, son of a bitch. Like I could have beat this months ago. Um, but no, I mean, he was born and things have kind of gone from there and I've picked up other games in between, obviously. Uh, but I just never picked that one back up till recently. And I was like, well, it's a short game. I could finish it up. And I liked it. It was good. I mean, uh, it's all story based, obviously. It's more so like kind of just a narrative that you're diving through. There's no real like gameplay. It's just kind of interacting with the different scenes and what's occurring. But yeah, the whole like Lewis story after that happened, I was like, oh, like what's happening here? And then they started diving into the grandma and what was happening on that front. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, shit. Like, what the hell is up with this house? Yeah, it's such a cool house and puzzle. It's definitely I I think I probably talked about it when me and Bree played it. You probably talked about on the podcast. But like, yeah, that's a game that I can't recommend enough for people to go check out. He's got some other really awesome games that he's done, too. Like, uh, have you ever seen The Unfinished Swan? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, that's that's a really cool game. And just like right off the bat, like how it gives you like the mechanic of the game and the setting of the game. It's like it's completely worth going in blind and just checking out yourself because I, I was so taken with it when I had first played it a long time ago. I've got it on um, the Vita. I could bring it over and show you it to check okay. it out. A digital copy is what you got. Yeah, yeah. And then... um. He just did that uh, neon white game, which is a fantastic like speed run game. Nice. Yeah. I mean, overall, I enjoyed the game. I thought the story was pretty cool. Um, I will say, though, I don't recommend playing it on the Switch. So the Switch has like some really crazy like frame rate type of issues that come along with it that I just wasn't a huge like obviously you're not a fan of frame rate issues to begin with. Right. So um, it seemed kind of like handheld mode was okay. I didn't kind of get that. But when I put it in the dock immediately, I just started seeing like things were not rendered like they were rendering right. But it was it was very the movement was a little off. I mean, I was just dealing with so much of uh, I see you're grabbing your your uh, console. But yeah, it was just cutting in and out in certain areas. It would like blur really quick. It wasn't good in docked. So I'm, I'm happy I played it in handheld. Uh, and actually, I played uh, Donut County in handheld as well, which is very odd of me. I, I very rarely play handheld for anything. And as of late, I just have because I could take it upstairs before bed, play it and then put it down. Uh, but that was it for me, man. So how about yourself on pickups? I, I can guess what it might be. Yeah, I mean, I I have picked up Tears of the Kingdom and I've been playing a little bit of handheld and a little bit of TV. I actually spent most of my time with my Switch playing in handheld, I think. I think that um, when I was playing Hollow Knight, I think that was like the first real game I had been like, okay, I'm just basically playing this on the TV only because it's so enthralling and it sounds better and everything. Um, But I think that Tears of the Kingdom is by far like gonna be the only game people are going to be talking about for some time (laughs) it's definitely like so much more and so much the same and i i really wasn't prepared for it i suppose like i'd seen you know all of the leading footage and i had been following it really closely i knew like the leaks before i guess i'll kind of get into spoilery stuff so i mean if you absolutely want to know nothing about tears of the kingdom what are you doing you should already have it 
but um yeah there's like a whole third area so there's the sky islands above and then the whole underground below so i was ready for all that but leading up to it that week i did not have my copy of breath of the wild i had borrowed my buddy's switch and i had been playing uh metroid prime remake on there but i had given it back to him and Anybody that's got a switch knows that, you know, when it's dead, it takes a long time to be undead before you can play it. So I was just like, God, I just want to play some Breath of the Wild real quick here. And I didn't want to wait, you know, 30 minutes for my switch to get charged up. So I put my Breath of the Wild in his and I forgot to take it out before I gave him the console back. So I'm so glad I didn't have it leading up because it is so much Breath of the Wild 2. Like, I feel like if I had just come off of playing Breath of the Wild, yeah. Probably want to save some of this for our inflation deflation. Yeah. Yeah. I've been playing Tears of the Kingdom. That's what I've been playing. It's been really good. It's been, I I can't find the playtime. I tried to look up how much playtime I had, but it just doesn't populate for some reason. Like, Every other game there, it says like, oh, you played like about an hour of this. You played 100 hours of this or whatever. And this, it says, you first played this game nine days ago. So if I had the parental controls app, I could go in and tell you how much I played. But as of now, we'll say like, I don't know, like maybe 15 or 20 hours. I don't know. But like, I haven't really done much. Like, that's the thing whenever i hear people give reviews for games and they're like oh this is like a 50 hour game it's like dude i'm like halfway through this game and i'm already like 30 hours in like what are you talking about like estimates i spend way i like elden ring i was like halfway through the game and i was already like a hundred hours in it's like do I just explore more than other people or do I suck more than other people? Like what's, what's the massive time gap here? Probably a combination. Yeah. And <laughs> constantly man. dying and find, finding stuff. Yeah. You could constantly die in this game too. Like I have seen yeah. so many game over screens. Yeah. So, um, you know, before we dive into our discussion topic, just want to note that we are actually going to be joined by Paul Niemeyer today, the original mortal Kombat artist. We've had him on the podcast below, but, um, below right we've had him on the podcast before i was thinking of below because of our pot or uh podcast outline um so we're just gonna chat with him and uh open discussion and and see what's up with paul what's new and uh you know maybe talk a little bit about rack and ruin from premium edition games because he did the uh, cover art uh, for that title and just get a better understanding of his like creative process and everything else that's involved in that so that's to come but before we dive into that uh discussion topic time you know, I understand that you wanted to issue a challenge. Yeah. So I came up with like a fun idea just to shake things up. I mean, John's already finished his new games resolution. I mean, I will get mine done. It will only take, you know, four to eight hours, depending. So uh, I'll get that finished eventually. So I was like, why not throw another game in the mix? Let's do a summer game challenge. Not realizing when I issued this challenge that it was basically already summer and Tears of the Kingdom was weeks away. So now I have yet another game to have to finish this year. And John has something brilliant to add on to his pile of stuff to play as well. Yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously I picked a patent time 
And there was a reason for that because Ryan yeah. issued a challenge to me a couple of weeks ago and he was going back and forth on titles I should play and out of, he pulled it out of a hat. Yeah. So that in time. when I didn't want us to have to do like, oh, here's like a 30 hour game or here's a 50 hour RPG or something like even though John would love to have a big RPG to sink his teeth into, he'll find one himself. I wanted something that we could both do just kind of like fun and easy and add to our schedules. But um, I know how John loves a nice platformer. And I remember a lot of people saying really good things about this when it came out. And it seemed just kind of like right up his alley. So a hat in time follows hat kid, a little alien girl wearing a top hat, trying to return to her home world via spaceship. While on her journey, she passes over a planet and a member of the planet's mafia comes to collect a toll for the mafia town government. When Hat Kid refuses to pay, the Mafia man busts the spaceship door open, causing Hat Kid and all of her timepieces, magical hourglasses that power her ship, to fall to the planet below. So, And that's about uh, as far as I got last night. Yeah. Yeah, I, just that. I think that you'll probably have a really good time with this game and have a lot of positive things to say about it. Yeah, I messed with it a little bit last night. I, I of course, loaded it into the PlayStation and, and got all the updates and stuff done. It was like, oh, let me play it a little bit. And yeah, dove into that, saw that whole scene. I thought it's a you know, nice artwork, kind of cutesy and controls really well. And I could put 60 frames per second, which is also kind of cool. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, that, that's what I got. But for you, I, I am giving you an experience, sir. So I've decided Ryan will be playing The Darkness on PlayStation 3. And so The Darkness, if you're not familiar with it, is based off of the uh, Top Cow comic book series of The Darkness. And there's a lot of great crossovers for Darkness. By the way. There's like Darkness Batman, Darkness Wolverine. Like there's, there's tons of Darkness comics out there. Um, but the game itself, the player takes on the role of Jackie Estacado with the story presented through narration by himself. On the evening of his 21st birthday, Jackie is targeted for assassination by his uncle, Polly Franchetti, out of sheer paranoia that Jackie is after possession as the dawn, after his position as the dawn, sorry, not possession. As night falls, the darkness, an ancient demonic force which has inhabited Jackie's bloodline for generations, violently manifests and massacres his pursuers. With his new powers, Jackie gradually dismantles Polly's drug and money laundering operations. So the darkness, by the way, is demonic power. Not only does it massacre, but it likes to tell jokes. So that's what's even better about this game is you're like actively killing things and people and they're telling jokes the entire time. So I think you're really going to enjoy this title. It's one of my one of my favorites that I've played in, in years past. And because of this challenge, I actually ended up purchasing The Darkness 2, um, which I want to say I called out on a couple episodes ago, but might not have. So, yeah, that was a recent pickup. I have seen this game uh, in the past on, you know, like shelves at GameStop and stuff or maybe even highlight reels when I worked at Target. It might have been around that time. Um, but I really thought that this was something that I always wanted to play. So I'm excited to check it out. I'm also very, uh, I don't know. It's weird. We both chose games that are mafia related. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Mine is a little kid after the mafia. Yours is a guy of demonic powers. <laughs> also after the mafia. Also after the mafia. Yeah. Oh, it's so good, dude. I remember like, 
like the the end of that game i vividly recall the end of that game it is so good how the story breaks down Mm -hmm. towards the end so good so you'll like it for sure all right well let's uh i guess hear from paul so we'll we'll dive into that interview here in just a moment all right so we're joined by the artist that you've never heard of paul niemeyer (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> actually it's the, the greatest the most famous greatest artist you've never heard of paul niemeyer oh, wow oh, okay yeah. Yeah, right, well, baby. <laughs> <laughs> paul how you doing we haven't uh, seen you since you game on expo oh, hey, this, this is the original the is original it? original yeah 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 this oh is wow the, yeah yeah just i just happen to have it <laughs> yeah. we won't say what we're looking at because we're not recorded but uh yeah yeah yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah yeah no video recording so people can't see what we saw but yeah it's pretty cool um yeah so we haven't seen you since game on expo 2022 actually so what's been going oh, on okay. since then oh wow yeah, yeah well, i've done a lot of shows last year that's I, I did uh 21 shows last year damn dude yeah well you know it was kind of funny it started out at the beginning of the year um Tim Kitzrow and I were having lunch, and and uh, I, I I said, uh, you know what? I'm I'm going to make my 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 duty my job to get booked. You know, I booked all those shows. I don't I don't have a booking agent or anything. Which, by the way, I'm a sucky booking agent. <laughs> <laughs> I drop the ball all the time. If I were my client, I would dump me. Okay. <laughs> They're like, Paul, do you want money? No, just give me some food. I'm a starving artist, and maybe a hotel room, and we're solid. <laughs> Oh, oh, if only it went that well. <laughs> no, I'm I'm Mister, you know, drop flights and uh, end end up in the wrong city and you know, well, that kind of shit happens all. Yeah, I mean, get stuck in the wrong city and yeah. then have, have to run through the airport at three in the morning, and you know, in Atlanta, <laughs> and oh. you know, book myself on another airline to get to Memphis to do as a one day show. You know, and, and, and still another hour and a half drive from the airport to the show, you know. So, uh, oh, that was a nightmare. Oh, my God. And I remember I, I bought the, the ticket from Southwest, but I had to leave the airport so I could get the ticket and then go back through security. And, and when I went through security, my, my pop-up displays that I have, they, they, they like, pulled them all aside and they, they treated it like I was, I was trying to sneak a nuclear weapon through. I swear to God. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I'm like, this is it. And I, finally, I broke, like, like a supervisor and, like, three other TSI and literally pulling the whole, fuck, excuse me, whole thing apart, you know. And, and I'm just like, really? It's three in the effing morning. You know, I've been here trying to get a flight. I finally, you know, yay, I finally got the hell out of this airport. And you're you're just going to stick this in my, you know. know, I I finally blurted it out. I said, you know, Atlanta, probably the biggest airport in the world now. And you've never seen a pop-up display for a convention go through. Not even once, right? Not even one. Right, yeah. they've only been around fifty years, so not, but somehow this one slipped past you. I don't know how boy, you guys, <laughs> you guys, good job. Great to know my tax dollars at work here. I mean, I was just unloading. <laughs> yeah, well, it's yeah. three a.m. for something like that. Well, you know, they, man. I'd have been bored to be honest. It could have been like, well, there's not much to do. Let's just like antagonize this guy hey, now. And see here's what a tall guy. Let's screw with him. Yeah. Well, and unfortunately, as the you know greatest artist you'd never heard of you can't really drop the do you know who i am 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're like, sir, we're going to have to take you into selective screening as you look around. You're like, I'm the only one here. Well, it's randomized. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's pretty selective, isn't it? For your screening, I guess. We flipped a coin. <laughs> it was either you or, well, or that happened. With the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> who, <laughs> who has so, a <laughs> hygiene problem right here, right? No, it's you, baby. It's all you. <laughs> Is this the most amount of cons you've like done in like one year? Oh, oh, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, I mean, well, you've only been it, doing it, them it was, for like a couple of years crazy. now. Well, this is actually, um, you know, I started in, in 2019 and, and I did two cons. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then COVID happened. And... Yeah. 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 I, I did Phoenix and Portland and then COVID yeah. happened and then everything got put on, on, you know, hiatus for a year and a half. And then started up again, uh, end of like 2021, I think, uh, is when I first started doing shows. I did like maybe two shows at the end of the year. And, and that, and that was the thing is, um, oh, I remember Tim and I had done Portland. And uh, we had such a great time that, you know, we had lunch and we were talking about, well, we got to get more shows, man. We got so we got to do, you know. So that's what I said to him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it my mission to, you know, book shows. And, and I would just hoard myself. I really was a slut. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do moving forward? You're going to keep up that pace, you think? Um, well, yeah, actually, kind of, I mean, not, not as, as aggressive, but all right, I've already got 15 shows booked this year nice. and a lot of that was, was, uh, you know, residual from last year. So like maybe, uh, um, other, you know, Hey, we had a great time. Love to have, we'd love to have you back again. And I think it's more to my advantage and ever and the show's advantage too, that I only do two years, you know, um, because I uh, uh, like I'm not doing Austin this year just just for that, that reason I didn't even I didn't even reach out to him you know uh, because I've I've done it like three years now and yeah. I know the, um, <clears throat> although the first one was was uh, you know like I, had, I had a year and a half COVID break so I guess it's really two years in a row but still it's two years in a row and yeah. and and actually the the, um, the experience was what really made me you know uh, make that my new rule was because. Uh, the first year I made X amount of money, and then the second year I made X amount of money, 0. 0.5, <laughs> like yeah. exactly half of what I did the year before. And, and everybody came up to the table and went, "Hey, it's great to see you again! Oh my God, we we love what we bought from you last year. We framed it and put it in our game room. It's almost amazing, you know." And I'm like, "Ah, oh, great! Did I buy anything today? Oh no, we got everything we need left." <laughs> I see. Yeah. <laughs> You know, when I used to run a con, Paul was my favorite. (laughs) Paul was my favorite type of artist when we ran a con uh, years ago. And the random, the randomization of somebody coming up saying, hey, I did X, Y, Z projects uh, in the past. Like, here's my portfolio. Would love to come to your show. And you're just like, I've never heard of you, but this will be great. Like, let's come on over. And then you become like best friends at these events. And obviously you come year after year. Uh, so it's, it's always cool to see like, and just kind of talk to you in your process and in booking those cons on the side. Like I've seen enough of those come through, but I, I know that's what you're doing and it, it's pretty badass. Oh, thanks. Thanks. That's yeah. awesome. That's fun. Well, I, I'm just having a ball and, and kind of, I mean, really, um, I mean, I don't want to come off all altruistic or anything, but, uh, uh, you know, there's a buck to be made, not a lot, but it, it, it pays, it, it, it makes it affordable to do it. Is what it yeah. Does, yeah. You know? Yeah. 
I you mean, really, go it, meet people, see different places. And if you're only going to do two years at a place, that gives you more room and push to go and see other new places and other new people. And so yeah, the same well, places and, again. And connections as well. The networking that comes from it when you go to those types of events as an artist is even even greater. I mean, it's it's worthwhile when the show is paying for your hotel, they're paying for your food, they're paying for your flight. You get a bonus of making some cash on the side. And then all of that, you're networking with other artists that are on site for yep. additional things down the road. Yep. So. I'm a hundred with every word you just said. I'm telling you. Yep. Uh, yeah, that, that, that is it. I mean, uh, I, I've done shows where uh, I've done shows where uh, uh, the, unfortunately the poor show promoter had the best summer day ever in the history of summer days. And nobody showed up at a show. At all, and we were all looking out the window, going, "God, it's nice out there." Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this poor guy, you know. Yeah. But, but be, because it was slow like that, and I didn't make any money at it, um, I had plenty of time to talk to all the other people. Boy, I made so many connections at that show because of that. Mm-hmm. You know. So you know that that taught me the the value of all of this. Is, yep. is not it's not just making and let's face it you're certainly not going to get rich or anything it's just, i'm just looking up to you know to uh, break even or be able to do it my, my motive here is to go and talk to the fans and, yep. and kind of you know get myself out there a little bit and and uh you know and, and that's kind of how that all came about uh you know uh, uh, the greatest or you know or the most famous artist you never heard of. That's that's what he said. It wasn't the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're great in our book. Who said that? I didn't do the. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, adjective. We have an adjective problem. Here. <laughs> well, well, talking about you know talking to fan, talking about talking to the fans and such, and you know, rack and ruin. You know, there's a lot of fans out there back game yeah. and in the premium edition games products, and and really wanted to understand a little bit more about that and and what you're doing with that company and you know the whole creative process and like that artwork is badass by the way for that oh, retro thank cover you. i thank absolutely you. love that work it was so much fun um actually i think jeffrey uh Wittenhagen, uh from Premudition uh, asked me to do that i think it was at austin um i think it was my sixth game for them yeah which one which other ones have you done again okay uh, uh, hockey I didn't yeah, even demons yeah, uh, here. Blood hockey, and then the one after that was a uh, P- pigeon dev uh, games. Uh, there was a collection of, of a bunch of different mm-hmm. games. On, on, um, what was after that? Uh, oh, oh, uh, um, you did demons tier, demons right? tier plus, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I actually used um, three women from the haunt industry uh, on, on that cover. You know, like, like nice. uh, a, a, yeah, a woman that was uh, that was one of my cast members, and another woman that that owns a haunt, and another woman that that is a, um, a makeup diva, and uh, you know, I, I brought them and used them as as uh, characters, and you know, just kind of my my uh, nod to them. I got a great respect for for their work, and I thought you know, it was a great way to get their faces out there. And so anyway, so uh, that's, that's, that's a yes, lie. that's. that's- <laughs> That's three. So we got uh, Rack and Ruin to make four. And then, and then did you uh, Robot? Um, oh, did then, then uh, um, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Robot Name Fire. I got that on my wall back. Can you see that? Uh, it's tilting. It's tilting. It's tilting. Uh, there it is over there. <laughs> there nice. There go. nice. Yeah, that's a cool cover. I like that one too, actually. And it's over here somewhere. <laughs> there it is. There, there it is. Right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Slow pan back to that. 
<laughs> so, uh, Rackaroon specifically. I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, I've, I've got grips here and I'm doing all this. <laughs> yeah. So, like, Rack and Ruin specifically, I mean, it's it looks like nervous systems and eyeballs and everything else in the background. So, what, what I wanted to understand in that creative process was, you know, when Premium Edition approaches you and says, hey, we want you to do the cover art for this game, like, what type of freedom do you have and, and what direction do they give you from the start to say, like, you know, obviously beyond the game, because obviously the game has artwork that's kind of already developed, right? And you're kind of going off of that, I imagine. But what kind of leeway do they give you to kind of just be an artist? Well, that's a great question. Actually, um, I, I just couldn't believe the freedom I had to do whatever I wanted to do with, with uh, you know, the, these these titles and these licenses. Um, so here was the deal. When they first came to me, um, they said, Here, here's the thing. We can use any of the characters. We can use pretty much anything that is the game, okay, except for any of the artwork that has been previously done because we didn't pay for that artwork to be done. So what we're doing now is we're paying you to do the artwork that we need for this game based on everything that is in this game knock yourself out explore your own little vision i'm like are you kidding me holy crap That's did you awesome. have to play the game first um or like watch videos of the game well that's what i do usually uh I still they send me stills or videos or, or stuff like that um and, and <laughs> this sounds terrible but I don't have time to play the game. Okay. <laughs> How awful is that? You know, uh, here, here's the reality of being in the game industry. If you're doing art on the game and games, you're so busy doing the art that you're doing for the games. You don't have time to play games. Okay. It's funny. We got into the business because we like to play games. I never get to play games anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yep. What a shitty deal that was. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, take the thing you love. You you'll never work a day in your life. You'll also never play a day in your life. <laughs> oh, universe, thou art so cruel. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's the reality. And you you talk to any any artist or designer, and you know how much time do they actually spend uh, playing games? Um, Hey, uh, which kind of reminds me, this, this happened uh, the other day. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Doc Mack owns, you know, uh, Galloping Ghosts in, in mm-hmm. Brookfield, the world's largest arcade. He was an amazing guy. But I wouldn't be here talking to you if it weren't for him. Um, he's the guy that brought me out in, into the public and, and then got me noticed. And people started booking me for shows, blah, 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 and et cetera. The whole thing snowballed and all because of him. So, um, and Tim Kitzrow, you know, he can pretty much say, say the same thing, you know, more, more or less. And, and, and so Doc did this great thing for us. He printed all these uh, translites for us. He did a bunch of Tron and uh, um, uh, Mortal Kombat uh, translites for me. You know, the, I'm giving those away. I, mean, I would never sell those for profit of my own, you know, so. Just want to state that right here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lawyers, you hear that? Okay, you got that? All right. 
giving them away. I'm only selling my signature, right? That's how that works. He gave them to us for a, a minor donation of like, you know, $300. Like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for screwing with the process there. <laughs> just, just shot everything I said in the foot. Just <laughs> No, it was a donation, purely donation of my own will. Yeah. Just, I wouldn't have gotten that in, in return. I wouldn't have gotten it. Yeah. Right now, there's an IRS agent going. Did you declare that as a donation? <laughs> you bastards! <laughs> yeah, look at that. I love that look. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, this audio. I forgot. You can't see the looks. Oh damn it! <laughs> All good. All good. People can imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, sl- sl- uh, slinky side eye. Okay, that's yeah. <laughs> that was the look. Slinky side eye. <laughs> well, I'm gonna go hit a, hit a milk here, man. <laughs> so you you were mentioning with the the rack and ruin piece that you know you have that flexibility, that freedom. You were kind of shocked what they allowed you to do that. So what what kind of got you to create that specific design? Like, what was your thought process to make that happen? Um. Well. Okay. Um. With, with that, and, and I and I approach every game that I, I, I do for them uh, in, in the same way. Pretty much just go in. Uh, I see what artwork was done first, so I know what I would what I don't want to do. All right. Um. Uh. I, like, okay. Here, here's a perfect example with uh like uh demons tier plus. That one had kind of a real anime kind of or you know um or manga sort of a a look to it. You know, when the original the original artwork came out, so I decided to go more um, like like uh, American comic book, like like eighties kind of comic book look, you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, just kind of change it up a little bit. You know, it's still it's still you know has a still kind of a comic feel to it, you know, but but it's it's not manga, it's not anime, it's not you know any of the other stuff that that existed before. So I was kind of trying to do something unique and interesting and different, and just trying to change it up a bit. You know, uh, it's you know it's an interesting process in that uh, trying to make it my own, at the same time trying to represent the you know the, the licensing in a proper way, and and that's the thing also that every piece of artwork I ha- I do has to go through an approval process. You know, like if I step too far from the you know the the, the corral. <laughs> you know, yeah. get there, you know, wrangle him back in, and they went a little too far there. So, for certain stages within that creative process, where you like reach out the premium and team and say, "Hey, you know, here's kind of where I'm at right now. Am I beyond where I should be in in terms of that those guidelines or guide rails, or do you kind of have everything layered out in your? Well, oh, that's a good idea. We should do that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we don't. We don't do that. Gotcha. <laughs> no. Do you have Do you have it layered out then, like different layers for background and main character and all of his other details, and then you can kind of swap in and out. There is a um, a great trust issue uh, with that. That's not wrong. It makes it sound like there's an issue. There isn't an issue. That like they they completely trust me. There's, you know, we don't have an issue with, with any trust is what I meant to say is, um, Jeffrey's just kind of like, yeah, here's the game, knock yourself out, show us what you got when you're done. You know, and, and they're almost kind of like, um, I, I did share sketches in the first, like when I was doing, uh, super blood hockey and they're like, okay, cool. Well, what is this the finished stuff? 
<laughs> they just like, wanted oh, sharing sketches with you guys. And then they're like, why? Well, show, show <laughs> you what, what's happening. You know, because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, okay, my background is ad agencies. Yeah. You know, you know all right, I changed his face. Well, okay, throw, we, throw it in here. We got a committee of 20 people that want to see that. And we're going to send it to New York and see that. Uh, <laughs> I'm right, there, right there with me, man. I'm in marketing. So it's same <laughs> you know, deal. Like, oh, I created a sentence. All right, well, let's see it with the rest of the team. Exactly. Exactly. You know, so that's that's advertising. And that's my world. I'm used to it. I have 30 odd years doing you know, all that. You know, so that's a process. I just accept it. And, and so when I'm sending it to them, they're, they're just like, why are we looking at this? Is, what, you're, you're finishing it though, right? <laughs> they're thinking, I don't know what they're thinking, like I'm holding it for hostage. It's like, all right, more money or I won't finish. <laughs> no, I'm just sharing. <laughs> yeah, it's good, right? <laughs> oh yeah, we love a great war. <laughs> so that was kind of the last time I, I really did any of that was, you know, um, and, yeah, they totally trust me. And, and here's the thing, it's kind of like uh I deliver the final thing, and they're like, "Cool." I don't think they really want to be part of the the process. It, you know, I, here's the thing: I think they got enough on their table. They yeah, they're on. trying to assemble the yeah. whole thing, and they need you to do your part. They love you for what you bring to it, and they trust you to do it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And you know, it, um, I think for them, it's like fire and forget, and all the missiles go fire and forget it. It'll hit. Its Paul's got and- it. Paul's got it. And I, I show up with the artwork and like, great, one last thing to worry about. You know, and, and that's a great feeling for me because, A, I've got the creativity to just do whatever the hell I want to, which I, I probably would have done anyway. You know, so when I really, when I when I bought heads of micromanagers, that, that's when it happens. Yeah. You know, they want to look over your shoulder. And especially, and I hate to say this, but there's a lot of envy in, in every business, all business, not just this one. You know, yeah. but I think maybe, maybe it's, it, it manifests itself more in this business because, um, there are so many are wannabe artists out there, you know, oh God, they fancy themselves as an artist, you know, and, and then somebody like me shows up and kind of blows them out of the water. And, and at first they're always like, wow, I'm just so bad. I, how'd you do that? I want to know how you did everything. Oh, I know I share, you know. But it always kind of turns sour, where they eventually are just like, you know, was he so damn good? I don't, you know, I should be, you know, why aren't I that guy? You know, it's weird, and it, it does. I, I hate to say it. I've been in the business too long. You know, it sounds, and I know it sounds like like I'm being very, you know, uh, um, egotistical by saying this. But look, at this point, I know what my skill level is. I'm a pro. You know, it's that's the only. Thing. It's like going to your doctor and going, "Wow, you're a pretty good doctor." Yeah, <laughs> <I'm a> doctor. <laughs> Spent my life. It's my life doing to be this doctor. Yeah, you know, I'm really good at it. Yeah, ex, ex, yeah. So that's kind of what I'm, I'm feeling like too. You know, I'm just I don't have a. You know. I wouldn't say it's egotistical. I think it's you know your worth and you know your value and and what you bring it's, to the table. And there's nothing wrong well, with that. Well, yeah. that, you know, a lot of artists don't. No, you know? it's it's so weird. Like. like I was an art major and you know, like you go to school, well, you go to school and it's like, you know, everybody sits around, you do critique. Like there's people with obvious talent and there's people that put in the hours to do the work, to get the talent. And then, I mean, I just kind of showed up like I needed a degree. I loved art. 
you know, I was never really going to be a professional artist like that. I wasn't in the cards for me, but like I still went to school for my passion anyways. And, you know, there's definitely a level where, you know, everybody thinks, oh, we're we're all artists. And then there's a level where it's like, yeah, but once you're out there making money and it's, you know, everybody wants to support each other and everybody loves the community. But like at the end of the day, somebody's got to get the commission and somebody's got to do the work and you got to be the top dog to do that. you got to be on top of your game and know what you can do. And other people just don't always appreciate that in the same way that they should. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it, it, it takes so much to, to do it, you know, and, and you know, that, that that's, sort of the thing too about about pricing um a lot, a lot of times now you know i'll do something and uh you know i'll throw out a number and they'll go holy crap that much i'm like okay you got it overnight you know you, you realize you're paying for 40 years you're not paying for the 40 minutes you know but uh, I, I you know the, uh, there's always the story about the the engineer that was working on the the battleship they pulled out and they can't figure out why the, you know, the propeller won't go or something. And they, and they bring in the engineer and he looks around and he taps and taps and he takes a hammer. He slams it against the bulkhead and the damn thing starts turning and he gives, <laughs> gives them a bill for $20,000. And you go, what do you, are only here 20 minutes. You know, goes, it works yeah, now, doesn't it? <laughs> I, I knew where to hit it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Well, so there, that's it. That's the whole I've thing. I've seen very similar things with creatives where, you know, somebody will bitch about it, right? Oh, you only took two hours of time to create this and you're charging me X amount. They said, well, would you prefer like a revenue share instead? Because it's going to cost you a lot more for revenue share than it is for the actual artwork at the end of the day. So, I mean, that's another way to kind of consider that. Like you're, I don't know how, what your agreement is a premium, for example, but you know, you're charging probably a flat rate to create this artwork versus something like a revenue share, which would cost them more money in the end, I imagine. Oh, oh yeah. Well, well first of all, uh, if you said the words revenue share, um, you, you probably have to call, you know, nine one one because they would be laughing so hard. <laughs> you know, they'd hurt themselves. They they would probably have some. Oh yeah, absolutely. Just, yeah. You know, they're like, no, uh, uh, unless you've got some pictures of me with my sister or something. You know, there's not, you are not getting a revenue share, buddy. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, so, that, that's kind of the idea, right? Like you're paying a flat rate, and it could be worse, right? Like if you're charging a oh, thousand oh. bucks for a piece of art, well, I could charge you a thousand now, or I could charge you. A thousand times X, you know, <laughs> over the next few years for well, uh, for the same work. You know, and, and here's here's a unique and weird thing that has kind of happened with with the Nintendo Switch games, and, and especially since Nintendo's kind of famous for being Sue happy. You know, uh, um, you know, and there's and there's Warner Brothers, and anybody's been to a show has seen my signs over over the Mortal Kombat logo that says Warner Brothers doesn't allow me to show the. I'll, I'll I'll say that about it, but then other than that, we're, that's all we can talk about that. <laughs> but but uh, um, yeah, uh, Nintendo Switch has actually allowed me to like make you know prints of some of the artwork that I've done, you know, for the. Yeah, and, and uh, I can sell them at the show. It's not that I'm, like, I probably sold a handful of them, but but it was part of the deal, you know, yeah. it, mm-hmm. it was, which was just shocked me because it, like, it, you know, it seemed like so contrary to their nature. Yeah. 
will allow something like like this. But I think actually, I, I believe Jeffrey probably worked that deal. I, I don't know this for a fact, but he's just a great guy. I, I love him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, so and, and and we have a, a great. He's one of those one of those people that uh, um, like when you're working for him and you just kind of gel. And you've got this, you know, and like you said, he just, he, he knows to give me just enough information and he just let me just do my own thing and, and it works out and, and we understand each other and I know what he's looking for and he knows what he's going to get from me per really just, just a great working relationship. You know, that, that, that's God, that's so golden. Okay. Yeah. I'm doing, this is my sixth game. So we obviously have something. Mm-hmm. And now you got some, cons- and they have some consistency with the type of artwork that's expected from their games, which is even cooler. Right, right, I mean, really right. at the end of the day. And I try to change it up. I mean, each, each cover, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's obvious who, who that I did it. You know, it's, it's still my style, but you know, I'm, I'm doing a completely different thing. Like what I want to do, maybe like traditional illustration on it or, you know, uh, or cartoon. Like, or, and you could tell when you look at like, Super Blood Hockey, and you look at the um, the Pigeon Dev games as well. Like that's a very specific art style that's tied in there. And then you look at Robot Name Fight; that's very different compared to what you did for the most recent one, Rack and Ruins. So they all, like you could tell, it's Paul's art, but you've differentiated enough, like you said, that it's it's clear that it's a different type of art style. You made my day. Just just saying that you made my day because that 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 is exactly what I was going for across the board. And I, I just want to make sure that each one of them looks looks completely different. That's always that was always my my fear with with Eagle Games is that I was doing all the artwork. I, I was afraid that the, the whole thing started looking like so much one guy's work. Well, let let's dive into that. I mean, we yeah. didn't do our research. You just told us before the episode um, that you co-owned Eagle Games and, and did some board game work. A little bit, yeah, a lot of board, a lot of board game work. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I, and, and uh, a couple of uh, uh, guys. So I'm, I'm going to mention names. We it ended badly. And uh, <laughs> why, why is that? Why does everything? In this I'm seeing a common denominator here, Paul. <laughs> and oh, you're saying me? No. That was, <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Secretly, my wife thinks that. Okay, <laughs> that's the common denominator. It's going behind your back, like he's doing too much artwork here. We got to end it now. He's trouble. I've been with him, you know, twenty four years. He's trouble. I get it. I bet it's all him. <laughs> Paul, you better watch out for all these buses driving by here. <laughs> it's Chicago. They're not running buses. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my god! So, so talk to uh, us about the board games. Yeah. Okay. So uh, in 2000, uh, we uh, got together with, with a couple of guys. I, I've been working at, at a, a small uh, boutique uh, ad agency in Downers Grove, and uh, the owner was uh, good friends. Or actually, the owner's brother was best friends with uh, the guy that started the that wants to start the company. And then uh, I, I was kind of the missing component. You know, they were like, "Oh boy, if only we had an artist that you know had a good history background and." you know, new science and had done a lot, you know, and, and I'd say, Oh, you mean me? <laughs> Cause of, I'm a walk and talking, uh, um, uh, encyclopedia on the civil war. I, I, I go and actually, I, I go and lecture at, at high schools and, and colleges locally on, on the civil war and, and, and world war two also. So I'm a big history, history guy and science guy too. I was actually, uh, um, 
<laughs> I was a nature artist for uh, um, the Department of Natural Resources and uh, Morton Arboretum and uh, oh, the wow. uh, U.S. Forest Service for about 10 years. <laughs> what have you not done? Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of, yeah. And, and, it, and it sounds like, you know, uh, oh, what a creative butterfly you are, flitting from a creative flower to flower. <laughs> yeah, that's not what happened. Paycheck to paycheck. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, so the artist, so the artist, yeah, he gets it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it, it, it's, oh, here's a job. It's paying. Yes. Oh, and, and actually, that all came out of, uh, I, I belong to the Morton Arboretum uh, Artist Guild. And, okay. uh, um, you know, so they that they had a bunch of scientists that that fancied that you know they, they weren't good artists, but they were great scientists. You know, but it was a way for them to get out there. Well, then we kind of connected, and before I knew it, I was you know doing illustrations of, of oak trees and uh, twenty trees indigenous to Illinois, and uh, well, it was it was a. But really I, I've I'd seen a lot of your art that's like sketches of like realism and such. And I, I really do enjoy those when I see those come up. Like you do a fantastic oh, job on that stuff. Thanks. Thanks. It's, you know, and I got to say that uh, it keeps it all interesting. You know, when it, when it's, uh, you know, cause I'll go from that to going and doing some, uh, some cartoons for a video game. And then after that, I'll, I'm, you know, sculpting a giant volcano for a dinosaur park. And then after that, I'm flying down to North Carolina to, you know, to work on some haunted attraction, you know, that I'm building a fuselage of a, of a crashed, you know, alien spaceship. Yeah. Ryan, you got, you got to hop back on Facebook because I see all these photos and pieces that are coming in like all the time. And it's insane to see like how Paul transitions from project to project. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing when you can, well, you can be a real artist. It's it's not just about like, you know, somebody who and, and not to diminish anybody like anybody who does art like it's a challenge and getting good at just one thing is hard enough. But like when you can give somebody a direction and they can say, what medium do you want that in? What style do you want that in? You know, that's that's a real artist is somebody who can do those transitions and tackle things from all different kinds of angles because you've put in the time and the work to do that as opposed to somebody who just like just does one form of thing really well, it, they could get so good at that. But that versatility is incredible. And it's not like you're doing this stuff like, okay, like you're doing really good work at the end of the day with all of these different projects. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm a professional artist. I don't know if you heard. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard of you. Are you Paul Thumeyer? <laughs> Yeah, you're the most famous guy I've never heard of. See, I, t- I tie that in. Good night, everybody. We <laughs> get the tie in there. <laughs> so, um, some of the the games, like the titles for some of the games you guys did. Oh yeah, okay, Eagle Games. Oh my God. Um, well, we started out with with uh, Age of Imperialism, uh, and uh, um, that was exactly what it sounded like. Uh, basically, and it was uh, a. a, a Oh, we, we wanted to do these big, beautiful games. Here's the thing. Everybody that was involved in the, in the company, we were all uh, war gamers and, and board gamers, but mostly like like war gamers. We were, we were involved in, in the real heavy duty, you know, get the little sticks out and, and you're, okay, your troops can move forward. You know, you have to, you know, um, uh, support them with cavalry and then they move up your cannons. And then if you don't do that, you're going to have your flanks exposed, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, it was like all... You know, and then the you know 
uh, rolling the dice and then paging through the, the book and then arguing over a point for an hour. You know, that, that, that was the level we were playing war games at. Okay. So mm-hmm. uh, every, uh, what, um, what we hated was the quality of the games. They sucked. You know, it's just, you know, basic graphics. The little figures were, you know, like, or sometimes they weren't even figures. It was just a little chit or something to move around. Yeah. Give me a break, you know? So we thought we could do way better than this. Hey, we could do way better than this, you know? And that was, that was the motivation for Eagle Games. So, um, I see all these little uh, saddle molded figures to go on the horses and everything. I designed every damn one of them. Yeah. That's incredible. That's great. I'm just looking at the cover art for Railroad Tycoon right now, and it's oh, that, that was actually oh that that is um, um uh, Kurt Miller, Kurt Miller, oh, okay. Good, okay, good buddy of mine, Kurt Miller, he's a great great artist. Oh my god, amazing, amazing artist. Yeah, uh, and we yeah we use the same. That was one of the rare ones where we were able to use the same cover art from the video game. Mm. Ah, okay. He'd done the video game art, and, and uh, uh, in fact, they insisted. They were like, "Hey, we, you know, we want, you want to do a tie-in? Let's do this." And I, I've been saying that for forever. You know? <laughs> Why are we doing? In, in this case, you know, and here, here's the thing: you're, you're, I'm kind of cutting myself out of the deal. It would be an opportunity to do this great artwork, but great artwork already exists for it. Why? Yeah. Why redo it? Yeah, yeah. It's at that point, it's. It's your ego. Shut up. Well, it's it's the familiarity too. I mean, you've got a, a video game that already exists. It's got an artwork. Why would you ever yeah. change it to something yeah. else? Like from That's, a branding perspective, you want to keep it the same. Exactly. Exactly. That's just a no brainer. You know? Yeah, for sure. For so, sure. So anyway, so so that that's how. That, but uh, in that particular case, yeah, uh, um, I did the map. And I designed all the pieces and all uh, pretty much all the artwork, the internal artwork, the entire game was you know it was all mine. Um, it, you know, it's, it's funny. I just recently, um, like like yesterday, <laughs> recently made a deal with a fan uh, in England who was just gaga about all of these games we're talking about. 20-year-old games. And uh, well, when I was into Eagle Games, our biggest market was England and Germany, way bigger than the States. I remember we, we would uh, send a couple of containers full of games over to Europe all the time. And, and uh, we well, would they go got to, that Euro crunch board gaming culture oh, over there a lot deeper. Oh, and we milked it. We jumped on it in a huge way. Well, all right. It, it, it appealed to us in a huge way. You know, we were kind of like that too. Yeah. It's, it's just over there. It's, it's a culture thing. It's, it's like Friday night is game night with your friends. You would have them over your house and, and you'd put a, you know, in, in fact, one of the complaints we would get when we'd sell all our games to European customers was that the boards were too big and it, they didn't have tables big enough for us. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is too much game for you, Europe. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much, you know, and it, you know, and, and it's funny. Well, it always the letters always start out with you know a couple of lines of praise, really love it, blah blah blah. One thing though, <laughs> <laughs> why so big? You know, because we can. You know, and, America. And, and, oh, that's America, American board game. You know what? Uh, yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, you know, we developed and, and, these in Texas. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, kind of. And, and, and it's funny, when we would go to like Essen uh, uh, Game Fair and, uh, you know, in, in Germany, we got a lot of that. Oh, you're, oh, this is an American company. Ah, I get it. Oh, everything big, everything big. Yeah, you're making fun, but you're buying a game, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> have you done much uh, board gaming conventions? Because those have become quite popular, too. We've got a lot of those going on around here. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, when we were Eagle Games, we always did Origins in Columbus, uh, and we always did uh, Gen Con. And, uh, and like I said, Essen, Essen, Germany, uh, that, that was a huge one. Like I said, our, our biggest, you know, that was Gen Con's biggest the biggest games. in the States, right? Oh, I believe so. I think it is. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, yeah. I think Gen Con is the biggest one. Specific but, board uh, games, obviously. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, Essen. Oh my God. Essen makes Gen Con look, look, look like a tiny little, you know, speck of a show. Essen has like four or five huge buildings and it just goes on and on forever. You, uh, it's four days and you can spend all four days just seeing it. A day wow. per building. Yeah, that, it's a nuts crazy. But again, th- that was always worth it because we made a ton of connections. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was where our market was. And, That's and, the key. Yeah, and you know the thing is, like with the uh, uh, German and, and European markets, um, they liked that we knew our shit. Okay, uh, we used to call them the button counters because you know when you do a game about you know Napoleonic, we did Napoleon in Europe, and uh, I had all these Napoleonic characters, and we just researched the living crap of the colors of the uniforms and the number of buttons, and you know it had to be right. Because if it wasn't, you're going to get damn mail from everybody. <laughs> you know, you're going to get mail. You're going to get hate mail. Um, not hate mail, but, you know, uh, finger wagging. You know, should have done your research. Why didn't you? Do and we actually had, uh, on the board, I had done a Russian uh, infantryman that had a, a bedroll across his, uh, his tunic. And somebody wrote it, you don't have enough buttons. How could you tell? There's a, there's a bedroll across his tunic. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you just complaining to be complaining, you know? <laughs> Everybody wants to have a say, right? Uh, so a lot of that, a lot of that. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, um, so um, I know we had one more topic here to chat for you about, and hmm. that is the recent, I guess, unveiling or uncovering uh, that you did artwork for Peggle and Bejeweled too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, um, that that kind of uh, uh, came out of Eagle Games when when uh, we we um, sold off Eagle Games. Um, and it became Eagle Griffin Games, and it's still Eagle Griffin Games. So, uh, yeah, when we did that, I, I kind of was uh, out of a job, more or less, and I'm just kind of threw, you know, threw my hat out onto the water and see what <laughs> how it happened. And uh, you know, a pop cap showed up, and I, I did I did some uh, work for a German company called Pegasus Games. Uh, actually, I did a lot of work for Pegasus Games. I'll post some of that stuff too. Uh, uh, board game art. Uh, uh, one was a, a steel driver about a, a railroad building. Uh, yeah, I love railroads. And I just you know, found my. And it's funny how you're drawn to that stuff. You're like, I didn't go and say, "Hey, please give me the railroad game." They went like they they like so many railroad games came to me, and I was yeah. like, oh my "God, I love railroad." <laughs> I love railroad. <laughs> uh, you know? The universe gives. You're not wrong. Yeah. Not wrong, you know? They also take away games, apparently. 
can't yeah. play them. Yeah. <laughs> the Lord, we're gonna give you ra- take us away. <laughs> yeah, here, here's the deal, Paul. You can get lots of railroad artwork, but we're gonna take away your ability to play those games. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. And the funny thing is, okay, even at Eagle Games, when we were making those games, you know, here's all all of us, we love playing games, so that's why we're making these games. But then when we we make this game, we would play test it to break it, not to not to have fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're testing the yeah. limits. You're doing the work. It's not fun. Exactly. You know, it, it was always about doing something totally unexpected. What if some Yahoo decides to buy up all this stuff and then throws it into the mix and then, you know, how does that work? Do the rules support that? You know, that kind of crap where you do stupid shit to see if, if the game would mechanic would support it or not. That's no way to play. That's, that's not, that's not fun playing. That's, you know, so we, you know, we always laughed about that. We're going, yeah, now, now we play in a completely different way. So even if we ever got into a real game for just for fun, we didn't have a slightest idea how to play anymore. (laughs) Spent too much time doing this. (laughs) So with, um, with pop cap, like what's, can you talk about some of the differences between like working for something like a pop cap versus working with like a premium edition games? Like obviously you had a lot of freedom of premium edition and, and your artwork and what you do, but with pop cap, what does that look like? Wow. That is boy. What a great question is th- those are about contrasting as, as you can get. Um, and especially if you, you saw the post that I, I put out uh, for Peggle, um, you saw all the pencil sketches. I, I think I, I post a dozen pencil sketches in reality there were around 30 okay but but i i chose the 12 that were probably the most different from each other and you, and you see a lot of similarities if you, if you page through all of those how you know okay um now i like the rainbow but can we make the character you know it's always something something you know, Okay, whatever, sure, yeah, yeah. And, and we, now that I'm thinking about it, can we have three more versions with the blah, 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 you know? And that's how that all came about. And, and for me, clock's running. Not a problem, man. Uh, the, so there's two phase, different phases to every project. One, one is the design phase, and that one that one's on an hourly basis. Clock's running, baby. All right, because if you give a flat rate for design, you'll be there all year designing that. And oh, look what we're getting for the five hundred dollars or two thousand dollars or whatever the hell it is. Yeah, you know, pro- yeah, yeah. You'll 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 earn that over you know, over and over and over again. <laughs> you know? So when the clock's running, uh, boy, they, they're making decisions much faster. Yeah. But when you're working for a, a company like PopCap, where they want to see all the possibilities and they got plenty of money to throw at it and they really don't care. My kind of client, man. Uh, you know what? That's the, those are the ad agencies. That's yep. the ad agencies. That's how they worked. Well, and, and they're passing that off to PopCap, right? So that ad agency is, I assume, a middleman that's contracting with you to kind of get those designs for PopCap, right? Um, yeah. And so they've well, got their rate that they're charging, I would imagine. Well, in this case, I, I was working directly with PopCap. Oh, okay. But 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 the, what you just just described happens a lot, where I'm a subcontractor to another subcontractor, who you know got the job like like let's say especially in the ad agency business where they'll pick up a, a gig, and then they'll hire a boutique, uh, ad agency, 
and then that age, ad agency will have a, a kind of a stable of artists, and they'll say, "Hey, Paul's great for this. His style's perfect. Bring him on in." And that's how things happen. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'm, I'm pretty trickle, recent- down, trickle down economics. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> to, to an extent, to an extent. Um, Let's call it Segway. Let's call it Segway yeah. Segway economics. <laughs> Trickle down has such a bad connotation. Uh, I, I know, I know. I'm just messing around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that, God, you know what? That, 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 okay, here goes my history crap. Uh, that it goes back to the Harding administration. And, uh, um, uh, Will, um, help me, uh, the, the great, uh, uh third, 1930s, uh, comedian, um, can't help you there. Wait, yeah. oh, what was the first name you said? Will. Will. You talking about what's his face that did black and white silent movies? I don't. I don't know. I'm um, facing here. You're, you're asking two guys that I think that's. Oh, I hate when this happens. I'm, I'm have a senior moment. <laughs> anyway, uh, he 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 called the uh, the economic administration of, of uh, the or the Harding administration uh, economics. He calls it trickle down theory, making fun of it. Yeah, like, like it was his way of making fun of it, you know, and uh, um, somehow it got turned around and, and be, got named it. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but they they've been pushing that that stuff since the Harding administration. Just yeah. so you know, everybody knows, you know, uh, it didn't, didn't just happen the first time in the eighties. They, they they just rebooted it. <laughs> Everything our, our old list- is new again. Well, our listeners, on. our listeners signed up to hear Paul talk about art. He's like, let's talk politics, history. Uh, Will Rogers. Well, that's what it was. Will Rogers. Yeah. Gotcha. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. yeah you said Will. My mind immediately went Wheaton for some reason. It's well, like sure, we're no, totally no. off. We're totally off base here. <laughs> yeah. I say Mark. You say Gruffalo, and I say Twain. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um. <laughs> So anything else in the, on this pop cap stuff? Like, uh, so yeah, when you said, when I saw Bejeweled. I'm sorry, I got off, off, off the. No, 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 you're good. When I saw Bejeweled, I was like, I remember my mom playing Bejeweled all the time. And I didn't realize that you were behind some of that art. Hey, you know what? Uh, boy, I'll tell you, pop cap had the, the most dynamic business model ever. They, they literally, when, when I was first brought on, they, they kind of uh, gave me a, a little, uh, um, spiel about here's who we are and here's what we think. This is our model, our business model, and how we're thinking. We want to make the game that a soccer mom can play for five minutes while she's waiting in the car for the kids, and and have, be completely satisfied with those five minutes. Put it on pause, drive home, do whatever, and come back to it later, a week later, and start playing again, and not have any kind of interruption, not have some long timeline involved. Not you know, there's just a a couple of of racks that are easy to complete. They're a minute or two to, to actually do them. And uh, they're, they're fun. They're colorful. They're, they're entertaining. They're engaging. And that's pretty much it. Soccer mom games. And boy, so they're to that blame the for my the mom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My mom being on the computer for hours at a time playing bejeweled and me yelling, like I need to use the computer for schoolwork. That's yep. what it ended up being. Yeah. Yep. Well, with it, like, they knew. You know? They knew it was addicting. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's, and then on top of that, let's recycle the same process and change the jewels to be orbs, or let's change it to be little creatures, or or books, or hats. Like same yeah, concept. Yeah. Same concept. And yeah. And then, and then and then then they came up with plants and zombies. Where, where the hell you know? But okay, sure. Why not? Why not? Um. I, I worked peripherally on that a little bit. 
Um, not, none of my artwork appears in the game, but but there like some some design stuff and some putzing around a little bit. So yeah, gotcha. It's not even worth really mentioning. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Still, I mean, it's it's so cool. Every time we talk to you, Paul, I feel like we learn like oh, there's this whole other aspect to Paul and what he's done and things that yeah, a lot of people know about this. So I'm I'm happy that we can you know still help to kind of boost you and and get the world out about Paul so everybody will know who Paul Niemeyer is. Oh, thanks, thanks. Well, he's the most famous guy I ever heard of. That's kind of what it felt like. Most famous, amazing, greatest artist you've ever heard. Uh, (laughs) Got to add in all his adjectives. Oh, the check must have cleared, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it totally did. Yeah. (laughs) There's more where that came from, buddy. All (laughs) right. That, uh, that resid- we're making that residual income on the side. Yeah. <laughs> complimenting, complimenting Paul is your side gig, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it just got in there, all $5 of it. Yeah, yeah. Mm, where do we spend it all? <laughs> uh, marketing for the game deflators, of course. Yeah, yeah. Or, or Starbucks. <laughs> or, or Starbucks, yeah. yeah can, you, can you put Paul on the cup? That's really who they <laughs> Yeah. So okay. So like yeah. So PopCap. Um. Like working with uh all, all the sketches for Peggle. You know. Uh. And that's great. Like like I said, boy, clock was running. I made a ton of money. They and they wanted to see it, and I wanted to do it. And sure, but let's. I encouraged it. You know, so many people go. Oh my God! I can't believe you made it. How tiring. Oh no. Oh no. That that's the bread and butter of this business is, is changes. Oh. God, bring the changes. I can't do enough changes for you. Please, please, more changes. Oh, somebody doesn't like it. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't want one, you don't want the first version. You want 40 versions to come your way. Yep. Paul's like money signs in his eyes. I can't wait to make more changes here. Let me just screw this part up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my God. I'm glad you said that. Here, oh. Boy, here's something that's happened to me so many times. When you've done a presentation, uh, you know, you'll have like maybe one or two of your your cherished ideas, you know, and you're thinking, this is golden. It must be done. How will I make them decide this? I know. I will do crappier versions. (laughs) Then I will make them look to this one in the presentation. And, of course, they will be compelled to choose the crappy version. Use SOB. Why did you do that? I'm stuck doing that. There's no accounting for taste, Paul. <laughs> Father mucker, unbelievable. Un- oh, man. <laughs> that happened. So- you have no idea how many times that has happened where they have, they have picked that crappy version and I've got stuck doing the, oh, my God. And now, now you're like, i got to dress this piece of crap up. <laughs> <laughs> gonna be like little mermaid penis in the background of the artwork just to just to screw with them at that point which by the way i i know one of the artists from from that team little mermaid. That did that. i worked on little mermaid so wait did yeah. you work on it too oh yeah oh, oh my gosh on. another the, man like the disney era do, of paul do you know hold on do you know philo barnhart I, you know I know, him? no i know who he is you know, know that's that's who i know that's who i know oh, okay all right no yeah, I, I know philo yeah, here's the thing. Working for Disney, well, like I, when I worked for Disney, it was through an ad agency. So, like, I'm just dealing with one guy. Uh-huh. That's it. Um, and then he, you know, sends the stuff off, and then they tell him what only 
what he needs to know, and then he tells me what only what I need to know. Yeah. So many times I did stuff, and I'd, I'd say, hey, what's this going to be used for? I have a slice idea. Really? Yeah, I worked on a project for Disney called Golden Ball that was huge in Europe. Nobody ever heard of it here. But I was designing stuff for a European Disney uh, um, project that went on for years. And, and uh, uh, there were tie-ins with the Jurassic Park. And what it was, it was a, uh, it was a big chocolate ball that was, that was uh, covered in gold foil. And you'd break it open. And sometimes there, that we'd have like a chocolate dinosaur skeleton inside with, with like nougat goo or something. I know what that is. I've yeah. eaten that before. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That was me. What the hell? What the hell? So, really, <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, right, right. You know, so yeah, Golden Ball that was huge in, in uh, uh, Europe for a couple of years. There back in the, I in the nineties, it was. You know, so. yeah, um, yeah. I uh, I had a, a family member that lived in in Europe, and he would come over every now and then, and we would get that type of stuff. There you go. Yeah. Oh my uh, god, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. All, well, what, all full circle. I worked on Jurassic Park two. Uh, I did these uh, dinosaur puzzles that were in that came in Nestle's. Uh, cereal. Now, and it's funny because like, North, North America is split up amongst, you know, uh, Post and General Mills and Kellogg's and, you know, Quaker and I can't remember one, Beatrice and you name it, Purina, all, all the other. I've, I've worked for all of those. All of them. Yeah. That's why I can name them off. Because <laughs> I've, I've got paychecks from all of them. Uh, <laughs> the rest of the world is Nestle's. The rest yeah. of the planet is all is just Nestle's. So it always amused me that I was doing these these dinosaur puzzles that were going to be in Nestle's cereals, and kids all over the planet were, you know. Uh, oh, I don't live in a bad neighborhood, by the way. I live near a hospital. That's oh, I know, okay. I know you don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got a bug out, man. It's getting ugly. <laughs> You're not in downtown. You're on the outskirts. We know. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You hear the yeah. sirens in the background there. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> near the hospital. I swear to God, my wife works there. That's why we got the. <laughs> what was I even talking about? Oh, the dinosaurs and, and so, yeah. So the kids all all over the world were, were pulling out my, my dinosaur puzzles and, and putting them together, except for here where I lived. <laughs> <It is. laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Once yeah. again, you know. Yeah. So you're just like foiled. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. It's like you're telling everybody how cool something is that they'll never see. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> gotta be great uh, I, well I we know. we appreciate it paul it's it's cool to see i mean who doesn't love a good cereal prize yeah, right there you go. i mean yeah. um when i was working at at a uh a firm called a Le legacy um and they do like events and venues and, and stuff like that and and uh uh, we went out and, and got high at lunch and <laughs> came back and, and we just started laughing. We were laughing so hard. We were about we're talking about like, we should do a human foods table. You know, we're, we're guys we're like they're like actually tethered to the thing, and I got to move back and forth, and they got to play, play you know soccer, but they're tethered to the thing. Human foods, and we designed it, and the damn thing won a won a huge an award in in South America for Coca Cola. Oh my god, oh Ryan! When he when he said foos, I thought this man was about to reveal to us he invented foosball. I was going to be at my end here. Um, no, he 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 invented a new torture with foosball. <laughs> well, the thing was, it, the, we were trying to come up with ideas. The, the, the client was Coke, and they were doing a soccer, you know, a promo in in South America. I think it was like uh, uh, 
kicking off in Brazil or some, something. I don't forget what it was. No. And, uh, but it was going to go, it was all over South America. They were run, running this, this event. And uh, so we had to come up with something clever. And that's what we came up with. <laughs> and they loved it. They, they thought that was the coolest shit. I think it's funny. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I've done a lot of really wacky, wacky stuff. You know? and it's like it's like all over the world. Nobody really knows about it. Um, like in 20, 2017, I had designed a, uh, an escape room um, for, for, uh, for a guy I knew, another designer. And uh, a year later, he calls me up and he goes, uh, do you have a passport? <laughs> yeah. He goes, is it valid? Sure. Uh, do you want to go to Lyon, France and uh, build that escape room that you, you, you designed for me a year ago? Is You're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How much? <laughs> it's money. Yeah. No, it's food you look like Paul's a coffee food. table book, Paul, of your life and, and the different <laughs> projects know. you've done with some pictures. Yeah, Ryan, some it animals. would be like five coffee table books. Yeah, uh, kind of feels like it. Like, like, I feel uh, like, like I've had like five different careers that were running simultaneously. Uh, you know, like, my gaming career, there's my sculpting career, there's the electronic gaming career. Um, there's my nature career, serial career, advertising agency <laughs> career. Yeah, all, yeah all, quite you know, a lot. Running a haunted house for nine years, and then, and then I've been a consultant for haunted houses too now. You know, so yeah, that, that's why I'm busy. You know, yep. it's like after doing all those things all those years. Now here. At this point in my life, I'm kind of known for all of those things, so I've got people coming to me for all of those things. So I'm, I'm pretty busy now. That was the idea. So, so before <laughs> before we uh you know cap off our chat with you here, is your son kind of taking a passion for artwork and such, or is he kind of thinking a different direction? Uh, actually, um, uh, my son is adopted, so he's not coming by it, you know, genetically. Um, yeah. When he when he was young, he, he was very you know because because dad was an artist. Uh, but actually, he uh, he his passion is to become a cop. Oh, and, wow. okay. Yeah, no, he's got a really good heart, and I, I think he'd make a great cop. I think he'd be, you know, I I, I can't say that I'm in a, a big hurry. You know, at first you're like really get shot at. Why would you want to put yourself in the line of fire? But you know, I'm I'm he's, he's younger, right? Right, I'm 65. He's 22. Yeah, I, I get it. You know, I, I was I was a wild man when I was you know young, um, skydiving and everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I've yeah. got 51 skydives. Um, I, I had a skydiving accident on my 31st jump. I wrapped up in the parachute and and uh, <laughs> and, and unraveled me like a yo-yo at about 700 feet. I had about maybe a second or two left to live at that point. So Cut a little close. Um, I was in a, I was in an avalanche. I survived a snow avalanche and I was a ski bum there for about a dozen years. Um, you know, I made a lot of money. I made a lot of money at the ad agencies, you know, illustrating and designing and boy, I, I spent every dime of it, uh, traveling around the world, skiing everywhere I could. And, and, uh, I don't yeah. regret a moment, a moment. Yeah, sure. Got to live life. Oh, it was oh. A, one big adventure, and boy, I, I I I can say that I lived it. I really, really did. And uh, nice. yeah, and, and if the, and I'll tell you when I, I I remember going on plenty of ski trips where uh, there was like a side adventure where somebody would go, hey, we're going to this you know crazy little ski place up in Montana. That you know it's over. The, over we were, or maybe it was in Idaho. 
I forget, we were skiing in Montana and places in Idaho. And took a, you know, this crazy uh, bus up there and uh, you had to hike to a place where there was a live sulfur vent, you know, like a volcanic vent, but it was all sulfur. So it was all bright yellow and it stunk and, it's, you know, had these, these like stalactites of yellow, bright yellow, oh, crazy crap, you know? And you think to yourself, I am so glad. I, 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 you know, went and did this. I saw this. It's, you know, it's amazing things, you know, but huge glaciers that look like window, window or Windex colored glass, you know, where a whole side of it just falls away. And, and it's so surreal because it's way off there and all you're, you're seeing it and there's no sound. And, and then, then the wave of sound hits you a couple seconds later, along with a blast of, of uh, snow and crystals and, you know, shit like that that happens to you. You're just like, wow, this is why I'm here, man. You know? Holy cow. Yeah. I've done a lot of stuff. I've seen a lot of that's things. A, that's a good note to end on. Right? <laughs> we'll leave <laughs> you really with, is, with that imagination from Mr. Paul Niemeyer. Yeah, oh. thank, thank you so much for the time, and thank you all for being fans. And uh, you, you've you've made my my life by you know liking my artwork. It, it's you know I, I have something to leave behind me when I'm long after I'm dust. I hope that uh, my art is still bringing joy and happiness to people, and uh, that, that I think it's every artist's dream. And, and thank God, uh, you know, I've, I've actually uh, attained it, and boy, that's a it's a proud and happy moment for me. Yeah, I'm, I I. I I didn't realize the, I mean, just in all of our conversations, the amount of things that you've created that have been in our lives since we were children up to this yeah. point. So it, yeah. it's kind of amazing. Even like just the switch games, right? We're playing those now in our thirties and we were eating golden orbs and stuff in the nineties. <laughs> so. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hey, yeah. If you ever, if you ever ate frosted flakes or rice krispies, you know, for about a 15 year period there from uh, like 85 on to up to 90, Maybe longer even. You saw my artwork because it was all, all on all those boxes too. Yep. So we were yep. looking at Paul's artwork while we were eating cereal as kids. Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I'm everywhere. I'm everywhere. <laughs> Is there's, my there's, room right now? <laughs> there's the note, Devon. That's right, kids. <laughs> I'm everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> Man, now that that's the note to end on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everywhere. Yeah. There, 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 yeah. <laughs> you can't please everybody. You're not pizza. See, I'm I'm pizza with pineapple. I look okay at first, <laughs> but then you look closer. You're like, oh, there's something really wrong with this. <laughs> there's there's your end. There's your end. <laughs> well, thanks, Appreciate Paul. It. We'll have you back again someday, and uh, enjoy. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Take care. Have a great day, guys. You too. too. All right. So it was great to hear from Paul this week. Uh, Definitely enjoy talking to him. He's a fantastic guy. Um, And really just all about that creative process, man. Like I, (laughs) we could probably go hours with Paul if, if we wanted to, I know when we saw him at game on expo last time, I felt like we probably could have sat there for a very long time with him, just chatting and not checking out anything else. Uh, I was just thinking about that earlier today. Like I still haven't sharpened or bought a new knife since I gave him my knife and it spectacularly failed. (laughs) Well, uh, I did actually apply for game on expo again for media. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Maybe, maybe you can use your knife again to help out, you know, I'll have to arm myself better before then. 
Yeah. So uh, it wasn't a good look for the game deflators, needless to say. Um, but let's dive into our inflation deflation of the week. And that is The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, developed by Nintendo, published by Nintendo, directed by Hiromaru Fujibayashi. I actually got that. It was released, well, May 12th, 2023. It's an action adventure game and reception. Ryan, why'd you put a nine? It's tens across the board, apparently. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll leave it to you. Go, yeah. Go ahead, Ryan. So The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. I was talking about it a little bit earlier. It is phenomenal. It is huge. It is so much more than what I could have ever imagined or expected. And I am honestly overwhelmed with the game there's so much to it and so much to do it's kind of like i i've been thinking of it in akin to like fallout 4 versus fallout 3 so it's so much the same game again but what they did was before you had all these toasters and stuff and yeah you could do you could sell them for stuff or, you know, there might be some things in the world that you could do some things with, but now everything that you've just taken for granted before that existed in the world now has an alternate use that you can do with it. And it just creates so many possibilities and uh, talking to John about this is like talking to a wall because he hasn't played Breath of the Wild. So he has really no idea what happened before and how this is different. But the physics of this game is so much more like in the first game, uh, rather than having like lock and key dungeons and puzzles and everything like the first games or all the other Zeldas where it's like, okay, this is the boomerang temple. Everything will be boomerang adjacent here that was like okay you've got this slate of powers from the beginning of the game and they will carry you through every challenge moving forward everything will be some combination of these items so now with this they've really given you the ability to build and construct and make things and then giving you pieces in that world that you can just kind of mix and match into whatever with so you can make a plane or a car, or a giant robot with a flaming penis. There's, I, in- I have seen the giant robot, the flaming penis. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure there's more than one at this point. I, I think I saw a montage of I, I, I saw one that I saw just made me laugh, where it was uh, the bombs that were balls, and they just like, boop, 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 and they blow up. So yeah. I, I got a good laugh out of that. So there's been a, a whole lot of just exploring and running around the world the world is so big and it's got you know the sky islands the mainland and the caverns below the caverns are so interesting and different than like the overworld um the mechanics are uh get wonky too in certain places like there's a whole area where you go to and it's just like oh okay i guess the gravity is different in this zone And so like your whole control is like a little bit different and it's very interesting. Like they really did a lot with this game to, you know, push my expectations. And I, I'd only finished about half of the first game, like not even because I never, I, I I only did two of the big temples and didn't do the final boss. So I guess I did like two fifths of the first game and I spent like so much time doing that. Well, Ryan, I mean, by your standards of gameplay, you basically beat it. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. I know what's going on here. I saw the video on that. So nice. Uh, yeah, that's my approach. I I think that you know for Nintendo's first like seventy dollar game, I mean it's definitely better than Redfall. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean technically you can get Redfall on Game Pass. So, but that was Microsoft's first seventy dollar game. Huge difference in showing. That's true. That's true. And like the amount of time that they put into this i mean it's definitely worth the wait like we've been saying like oh my god how is it taking this long everybody was expecting a quick flip asset turnaround you know give us a a creepy majora's mask style of this game in like a year or two nintendo and now we've waited all this time and i think it's definitely been worth it it's definitely got like some creepy stuff in it like it definitely feels a lot different to me than a lot of other zeldas like it has kind of more of an edge to it that i think a lot of people will appreciate there's this one enemy that is it's like a group of like the not like the floating hands but like the wall masters like the ones that like are like a goop tentacle connected to the ground yeah they've got like an eye in the middle of the hand but it's five of them. And in this game, there's this like goopy stuff that's everywhere called the gloom and gloom basically deals damage in the form of negative one counters. So you don't lose a heart. You get blocked out a heart. So you don't have that heart anymore and you can't recover it either. You need like a special, you know, recipe that has something that will restore gloom hearts i appreciate you putting it into magic the gathering terminology for it or for me to better understand yeah well i mean it's it's basically like the the whole thing like there's this gloom and it will it takes your life like energy not your not just like your health so makes sense yeah yeah these things just like they're so manic and aggressive like it, they're scary like when they come at you, they just mob at you and they just start draining all your hearts and grabbing you and shaking you around. It's so like violent and they like screech. It's like there's some stuff in here like they could be scary for like younger audiences, I suppose. I don't know how old of an audience you need to be to play Zelda, but I mean, it's not like I think it's got a teen rating. Yeah, I, I think this is gonna have something for everyone basically except for the people who don't like the weapon degradation because that's back um i think it's a little bit alleviated so like the other new mechanic the fuse ability allows you to basically like i said give every item a second property you can put it on an arrow to use it as a projectile uh, to increase the arrow's damage or to add an effect to the arrow. Like, for instance, uh, an eyeball on the arrow will make it auto-homing shot. Um, by the way, it's rated E10+. plus. Okay. Yeah, so you got to be 10 years old to play this game, Ryan. I can so see I why. why. I, I can don't see know why, why you're playing it. I, I thought you were nine. Yeah, I, I wish. <laughs> so uh, a couple things to note um, You know, uh, for you here. I guess questions for me are graphically is it pretty much the same as Breath of the Wild? No, no I, I would say improved? I would say that it looks better. And I think that other people who have done deeper analysis have said so as well. Like I think that it's a miracle what they've done with this game. And like despite any like minor hiccups I've encountered, and I haven't been to some of the later areas, maybe it does get worse. But you know, 
assuming any other patches come out like it's already i've already got downloaded two patches i think but like it could potentially get better if the next switch console is backwards compatible hopefully you know we could see like some boost and everything but like i i absolutely don't think there's anything really to complain about performance or graphics wise i might have to play it on pc i mean you're i'm sure you can do that (laughs) smarter people out there i'm sure have made that possible you know 4k 60 to 120 frames per second zelda i mean what could go wrong right Mm -hmm. Uh, just a couple viruses in your pc that's about (laughs) it um but no, it's good stuff, man. Uh, so brass tacks, uh, I mean, we'll just kind of go into this real quick is a complete in box is $69.99. It peaked at $69.99 and it's trending at $69.99. A digital console version is $69.99. But at GameStop, uh, this was over a week ago, though. So I don't okay. know if that's still well, around. How about this? At Sam's Club, it is $64.99. Uh, but I've also heard that uh, Costco is $59.99 for this game. So if you have a Costco membership, pick it up. And then there's uh, reports I've read that certain Sam's Clubs have it advertised at $49.99. What so, the heck? Yeah, it depends on where you're looking. Uh, so there might be a Sam's Club near you that has it cheaper. Costco, for sure, if you can get in person. Costco always has $10 discounts on Nintendo games, no matter what. Um, I guess really? enough. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You can go you can go online right now to Costco's website and you could pick up Nintendo games that are normally sixty bucks for uh fifty. I did not know that. Yep. Yeah, that's the benefit of a membership, I guess, right? I got um, one of those. I oh, just go. never go there. My wife well, goes there. Yeah, I go there all the time now for diapers and wipes and pet food and baby formula. Those are always what we go for. So, and recently looking for a TV. So hopefully we get a new TV, but in terms of your overall first impressions of this game, is it, you know, inflated or deflated at that $70 price point? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, man. Nintendo games are going to hold like this game is always going to be, you know, between, I mean, I don't know. Now that you're telling me you could just get everything for $10 less at Costco, apparently $70 is automatically overpriced if you're a Costco member. But I mean, not everybody is. I, I would say that, you know, for Nintendo's first $70 game, they couldn't have picked a better one. I would say this is 100% worth the asking price at full price. So okay. I'm going to so go with just right. Just right. Okay, cool. Well, I have no skin in the game here, so I'm going to agree with you. That's just right. And knowing this game will stay $70 for, I don't know, 10 more years at this rate. You know, Basically. That's where we're going. All right. Well, I think next week we'll play a little bit of Rack and Ruin uh, on the Nintendo Switch. So a nice premium edition games title. And uh, we'll do a little unboxing too because we got the, uh, you know, the retro edition that's come through. So uh, we'll check that out. But this has been episode 236 of the Game Inflators podcast. My name is John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.